Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes. I'm one of the running What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Divine Rhyme second week here of Kendrick Lamar, Will Hogsett. Joined always by Dylan Hughes. Dylan Hughes, how we been? What 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 you been up to the last week or so? Uh, you know, kind of same old, same old. I've I've got myself into a really good running uh, rhythm, which okay. has been really good for me. Okay. I mean, you know, last summer I was kind of pushing myself to run like three miles every day, but it it just became too much because I was forcing myself to do it, you know, and I just quit. <laughs> And this year, a year later, I've been running more. And like, I think the difference is that I've actually wanted to do it. Yeah. And it's like, I've kind of realized the power of like, not like sometimes you force stuff and you end up just driving yourself kind of like you just exhaust yourself. You don't want to do it, but I've been doing it. It's been fun. Been in a really good headspace. Been uh been bumping faces, man. I mean, uh, yeah, naturally. It's like go having to go to Dat Piff for it was just such a. It was so annoying, you know. Yeah. But being able to just mix it in with the regular playlists, it's been great. Mac Miller, I got some takes, interesting takes uh, about Mac Miller in comparison to this album. Uh, some interesting combo I think we could pull up. Uh, but Hughes, I will say you sound good and your camera quality is better than ever. Did anything change or? Uh, maybe it's just the time of day we're doing this. Yeah. You know, we're usually doing it in the morning. So this is a uh, lower Wi-Fi. You know, they, they, they say natural light is better for you, but maybe uh the artificial light is actually better. Well, it could it could be the running as well, Hughes. You, you it know. could be. <laughs> I'm glowing. I'm glowing is really what it is. But before we get started on today's uh, topic for Divine Ryan, we do have a guest. And man, am I excited to announce our first member of the Running Hook Podcast, now, podcast Network to guest, the podcast's resident Kendrick fan, uh, host of the T.O.P.P., triple option pass podcast devin voss devin voss thank you for coming on how you doing brother i'm doing pretty good myself um you know unlike actually physically running like dylan uh i have been running writing a lot about running so okay let's put a grind brand new job yeah i mean i i love that how's that going uh it's going pretty solid uh very tiring but it's it's pretty worth it getting into the the groove of things there a little bit yeah yeah it took a minute but uh, i'm i feel pretty good about that so good to hear good to hear Voss. well we brought you on the pod today because i'd heard from you now confirm me if i'm wrong or not that well we always knew you're a kendrick fan you're the probably the network's biggest kendrick fan and vocal about it which i respect which i completely respect but i also heard that this was your favorite uh kendrick album uh so Voss, talk about that and then talk about just your your fandom with kendrick how it started how long you've been listening to him and stuff like that yeah so i mean you know to, to kind of go i guess into the history of it you know when i grew up uh, i was fortunate enough to be able to listen to a variety of genres literally my parents would play 
tons of stuff. I mean, literally from Linkin Park to 90s hip hop to country music, like <laughs> literally everything. So that kind of stuck with me. Uh, but in that, I kind of, you know, really started to like 90s hip hop, of course, so, you know, like Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. Tupac, all of that good stuff. Um, and so, you know, when it when it came time when this dropped, you know, we were kind of we we're probably all in middle school still mm-hmm. uh pretty close to it uh and i don't know i just kind of felt i just kind of felt a natural connection with it um you know it's it's got such a such an old school vibe with the modern twist to it that it, it just kind of naturally clicked with me and uh you know i know we'll get more into it uh here in the future but um that, that's just kind of how it started um you know that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it, and I've liked it ever since. For sure, boss. Uh, you and your '90s hip hop get along with AB. Maybe you guys could start your own '90s hip hop uh, music podcast. But uh, uh, tossing it over to Hughes, Good Kid, Mad City, just got off Section 80. Kind of talked about what you're, we were expecting last time. Did it live up to the expectation, Hughes, or uh, did it kind of take you on a different avenue? You know. I think it lived up to it. Um, I mean, going on my past experience of listening to this record, and of course, as I mentioned last pod, I hadn't really dove into it as much as we do here. I mean, I think the experience of our music listening normally compared to the Divine Rhyme listening is so different. Mm-hmm. Like, there, as we discuss a lot, there's a lot of things that we pull out of it we didn't pull out before. So... You know, we talked about with Section 80 how Kendrick's, Kendrick was just – he had such a mature stance on life. And he was like, whatever, 23, I think, when that came out. And it was like – it was almost shocking and refreshing at the same time to hear someone really feel like they understand the world and their place in it. And at the same time, you know, kind of talk about where he came from and some of the, the bad aspects of that – and coming into to Good Kid, Mad City, it's like, okay, you know, are we going to get more of that? And I think really ultimately the theme of this record was was that, like Good Kid, yeah. Mad City. Like he was a he was a, a kid that grew up and, you know, he feel like he had good intentions about life and he had good parents and all that. But he was surrounded by so much bad. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, listening more to this and really going in depth – I think he did a really good job of kind of painting that picture of both his his good qualities and the stuff that he thought about life, but also how hard it was to overcome some of the some of the environmental influences he had. Yeah, I definitely think in Section 80, you get introduced to Kendrick and like his outlook on life. Right. And like Hughes mentioned, he's so mature. You're like, man, how how is this guy this mature? Well, this album, I feel like Good Kid, Mad City. He's like, actually, this is how this is what I went through to come to where I am, to become like this mature person today. And I know he talked about a lot in interviews uh, and especially in the album, as he lays out the story, just the steps that he took and the shit that he went through to kind of give him this mature mindset. So let's get into the album, boys. couple different versions we'll talk about the bonus tracks after but for now i just want to focus on uh the album and the story which honestly 
the storytelling aspect in this album is comparable to Sturgill Simpsons, like easily. And boss might not get that reference, but if you listen to the pod, man, do we love some storytelling and not many people have done it better than Sturgill Simpson. But this one, it's just the Kendrick in this album. I'm like, man, this guy wanted to, wanted to share his life story and he did a great job uh, doing it. So let's get started with the title track or the, not the title track, the intro Shireen, uh foreshadowing i liked uh how that the the prayer that they said uh later in the album kind of starts the album off uh boss what do you think about this intro and uh how, how did you feel like it set the tone for the album yeah i mean and you know i liked the the uh the creativeness behind a lot of you know what we had here it just in general in the album you know with with the dialogue and like kind of like entering introducing all of that stuff to it uh and obviously this one also had quite a bit of that but um just just in general i, I do think this was a good setup for uh, you know the rest of what we had for the, for the remainder of the album um there, there's a lot to tell i <laughs> It's, it's, yeah. Hughes, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, you know, I was getting my last listen through on my run earlier and I'm like, this is Kendrick's oxymoron mm-hmm. because I mean, oxymoron from Schoolboy Q obviously is, it, it is that it's an oxymoron. Like it's a, it's a conflict of interest basically. And that's what schoolboy has kind of built his career off of and and that album specifically was was kind of the point and you know kendrick grew up in a similar environment where it's like that contradiction and he starts off perfectly he shows you know the the whole prayer thing and it kind of sets this it sets the tone like okay like this is what we're gonna get and then it doesn't take long where he starts talking about all the bad stuff again and kind of the the whole idea of the song is lust right and kind of where lust can lead you and if, as we're going to talk about over the next couple of uh podcasts especially when we get to damn i mean lover lust is like that's kind of kendrick's thing you know mm-hmm. that's that's a big theme that he talks about a lot and this is kind of the first point uh, i mean he talked about love and lust a lot in section 82 but it feels like this album and this uh, opener to start, he really lays the groundwork for that uh, to dive in even deeper than usual. Yeah, and he introduces an important character. Uh, Shireen obviously is is um, the main one of the main focal points of this album, uh, a main motivator behind Kendrick doing the things that he did uh, that he mentions in this album. I mean, obviously, peer pressure was a big influence as well, right? Uh, but the bitches and the women, man, like a lot of behind, a lot of behind, like all, all the trapping and, you know, going out on the streets that Kendrick did was because he just wanted to get some pussy at the end of the night, you know? And so uh, that leads us into the next song, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, which this is like the first radio song on the album. And I have an interesting take about like a lot of the radio songs, how, I think a lot of the these songs, The Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, Swimming Pools, Poetic Justice, kind of set the tone, like set the energy. And right off the bat, you get the energy that uh, Kendrick is kind of conveying that he feels at this moment um, in Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. And so 
obviously one of the most well-known songs off the, al- off the album, but when you put it into context of the album, I think it really does help emphasize the theme of what, what he's kind of trying to explain. So what were your thoughts on this song, uh, Voss, other than the fact that it's an absolute banger? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, well, you know, I, I like the way that it kind of like, unlike some of the other songs on the album, uh, this song kind of is literally just, it's about just don't kill my vibe, dude. Like, yeah. uh, like literally, you know, he, I, I like the way that he talks about, you know, his city, put him on the stages and, you know, kind of propped him up. And like, it's, it's just basically about kind of being, um, a little bit up on a pedestal and, um, you know, I, I really don't blame him, but at the same time, uh, you know, you get, you get kind of more of that uh bad stuff that's that's kind of interlocked with it um uh but <laughs> yeah just just the general uh yeah absolutely it's an banger. energy it's an energy it's an song. energy yeah it is an energy song it's an energy song um, and it's a good switch up from kendrick because uh like Hughes mentioned earlier whenever you're really diving into an album you got to you got to turn off the enjoyment mode for a second and be like, okay, how what is this guy saying in this song? And this is one of those songs where I was like, I found myself, all right, let's listen to this one and take something from it. And then I just find myself just bobbing my head like two minutes later. I'm like, oh shit, I just enjoyed that song the whole time and didn't actually try to listen to what he was saying. Here's what what do you think about this one? <laughs> Yeah, this is one of those songs where, you know, I, I talk about listening to music in the car a lot because I think that's really one of the best ways to experience music when you're you're really just surrounded in it, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those songs where when that first note hits, it's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, you know, you know exactly what's coming. And, you know, it it's a vibe. I mean, that that's kind of the whole <laughs> point. But at the same time, you know, we're talking about Mac Miller a little bit and I think he did the same thing where Kendrick and Kendrick kind of said this too. If you, uh, as we talk about with our, our genius.com references all the time, uh, yeah, a, man. an, un, an unsponsored <laughs> sponsor of the pod at this yeah. point. Um, but you know, they, it kind of, the description is like, this doesn't really advance the story at all, but Kendrick felt like he needed to take his little jab at the, at the music industry and and Mac Miller did that on occasion too in some of the earlier albums. And it's uh it's something that I think Kendrick did on section 82. I think whatever I forget what the second song was called, uh, but he did that in that second song on that album. So it's not really a new uh thing for him, but he's like, you know what, let me make a banger and then at the same time take a little, just a little cheap shot at the music industry. Yeah, and it goes off the 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 first song's uh, ending skit where his uh, mom is like calling him, tell him to bring back the fucking van, uh, <laughs> tell him that the kids need fa- uh, need food. She needs to go pick up the food stamps. He's 15 minutes late with the van, and then his dad comes in and he's like, bring me some fucking dom- dominoes, and then he says, you're killing my vibe, and then Kendrick's like, well, actually, you're killing my motherfucking vibe, and, <laughs> and so, um, but then at the end of the song and. What I liked about this album uh, in comparison to Section 80, not necessarily uh, other artists because other artists do this, do this as well. Like Kendrick wasn't afraid to 
put a skit at like damn near the end of every single song just to make sure that 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 theme and that everyone understood where they were in the story and so at the end of at the end of the song the skit hits and it's like get in the car we're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna throw on a beat we're gonna hit some freestyles you know and it's just like another example of kendrick literally malcolm moran i don't know voss if you listen to the divine rhyme a lot but we mention a lot of malcolm moran in here and how he taught us to show not tell and that's i mean that's the perfect example the end of bitch don't kill my vibe and backseat freestyle he's like kendrick hop in the car let's let's drop some beats and then you get backseat freestyle and it's like it's like a legitimate freestyle. And I mean, the song's harder in hell. Uh, Voss, it got to be one of your favorites on the album, though. Uh, backseat freestyle? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, uh, Hughes, I'm going to start it with you on this one. This, is, this song is where I was really like, Kendrick is just an absolute animal. I mean, delivery. He he's not afraid to sound however he wants to sound, even though it might be crazy just to kind of relay his emotion, relay his emotions. What was your thoughts on this song? Hughes? Yeah. You know, I like to take notes for my song. I just put, I just put ego bumper, man. Yeah. This is the, you know, this is what we talked about with J Cole on occasion. Like he likes to tell his stories, but just occasionally he's going to throw that bone to himself and be like, Mm -hmm. Hey man, you know, I, (laughs) I gotta, I gotta show off of it. And, you know, kind of to, to piggyback off what you're talking about with the little skits, I am, I think I've talked about this before that I'm usually not a huge fan of skits. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of time they can kind of disrupt the flow of the album, but I think the skits on this were perfectly well done Yeah, because it kind of, it it's almost two stories kind of coming together and he uses the skits to advance the story. So it really kind of gives you a, a better experience with the album where it's not just music. That's like, it's not just 10 or whatever, 15, 20 tracks of music. It's that connective tissue. We like to talk about it's, you know, really tying all this stuff together. So everything in the album has a point and even, you know, stuff like the backstreet freestyle where it's like, okay, he's just kind of going off here. It still kind of plays into the whole story because of where that outro uh, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, bitch don't kill my vibe leads you, you know, it, it leads you into that next song and it kind of does a better job of, like you said, showing, not telling the story. Yeah, it really does set up the story. The first couple of songs, you're just getting kind of like, you know, background info, like what, what's going on here. But then this song, I feel like, all right, we're kind of transported to Compton a little bit. It's like, okay, now we're here in the backseat, listening to him vibe. boss. Any thoughts on, on the song as a whole? yeah i mean i like how you know it's it's kind of it brings you to that state you know of kind of being young uh and what you can imagine the pressures that you're going through um and and just kind of being in that type of i don't know corrupt society or whatnot uh it it really kind of takes you there and and this is kind of that first that first hit of of that because obviously later on we get bad city mm-hmm. uh and and this this is just like a, yeah as, as you guys said just kind of a, a perfect setup um 
and and perfect introduction into the whole Compton thing. Yeah, and then we get into I one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, he, I already knew Hughes. Don't start nodding your head, man. I already knew. I, I just sometimes I get a feeling like songs that Hughes is gonna love. Uh, the art of peer pressure is one of them, and then sing about me. I'm dying of thirst. I know Hughes is just gonna go off on that one. Uh, but this this song also sets up a major theme for the album uh, in peer pressure and helping us understand like you know the good kid mad city theme right like he's a good kid but it's he's just surrounded in this environment and and this song hughes is is where we really get the first taste of it yeah i mean he's this is the this is the artist painting you know his his painting i mean this is this is where he's really showing you like this this is what it was like i i was a good kid i had good intentions but when I'm with the homies, that's when shit turns up, you know, and and it's it's a really important kind of bridge. Uh, I mean, it's I don't know if I can call it a bridge because it's kind of the whole story. But, you know, as, as we get later in the album, we'll start to see some of that stuff fade. But it really does a good job of showing you, you know, what what life was really like. And again, this you can really just see the schoolboy uh, yeah. connection. I mean. It's it's amazing. The more I listen to Kendrick, I, I think it was really good that we listened to Schoolboy first because, you know, everyone likes to talk about Kendrick and for good reason. He's one of the best rappers of all time. But Schoolboy, man, like they, there's a lot of similarities in the music mm-hmm. and they both have different stories that are kind of similar. So we saw a lot of the same stuff with Schoolboy and it really hit us. And we really enjoyed, you know, talking about those albums because he did such a good job of the whole uh, show don't tell and it's the same thing with Kendrick and you see it in songs like this where he's he's showing you his side of the story and like the the fact that he wasn't a bad kid it's just he had such a bad environment that he almost had no choice but to do wrong yeah the schoolboy influence is definitely there and I think that that goes to uh in this album and I think that goes to what Voss said a little bit earlier how this album specifically has kind of that hip hop hard kind of rap kind of feel compared to some of the other ones obviously the later ones damn and uh to pip a butterfly not so much but then section 80 you kind of get a lot of that rap feel but this album is the schoolboy q type album right where it's like okay we're, we're back in the 90s we're back in kendrick's childhood he wanted to make it sound like we're on the side we're on compton you know we're, we're with him in, in compton um but another thing i wanted to mention i like the progression of the art of peer pressure where uh in the beginning kendrick kind of just starts talking about how he didn't do drugs and unless he was with the homies and then you get this little bass drop or this this beat switch and then it takes a darker darker tone where it's like oh not only is he just doing drugs with the homies he's out hitting licks going on missions uh, as they'd say so Voss you got any thoughts on on this song and in context of the whole album I mean you guys pretty much hit it on the head uh there's not much else to to add to this one um I mean literally it's you know, it's it's him and it's him, you know, being uh, in that state of mind where exactly he is, you know, he is a good kid, but he just has bad, uh, you know, he's, he grew up in a, a environment that kind of pressures you to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, act out and do things like that. And, you know, it's it really does 
uh, speak to, um, you know, just him as a person and just how uh, it, it kind of lets you in to what life was really like for him growing up. Absolutely. Um, also, in the in the outro of this this song, we get uh, a, a situation where Kendrick was like smoking a blunt and it was laced with uh, shenanigans, whatever the shenanigans is that the, they mention. I assume it can't be great, but uh, the, this was a true story, obviously, as, as this whole album is. But this is why Kendrick doesn't like smoke anymore, because he got he got laced and it's like he yep. told the story here now obviously it makes it easier to see how he's able to kind of you know move on from that shit when he's when he smokes on me had no idea that he, that was in there but uh just you know another another instance of Kenyon kendrick being super genuine and uh compared to compared on the other hand to schoolboy q uh it's it's genuine about the 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 side of Compton that he doesn't you know like and we we saw that at the end uh with schoolboy q but coming off the beat back with the second album how Kendrick's already like that this shit ain't it it's it's probably why he's able to get out of it so quickly but then we get into money trees another song that helps advance the plot uh but also a banger so this is like a, a good medium where it's like kendrick's able to fit a lot of the plot in but at the same time make a song that still is able to play on the radio so uh voss thoughts on money trees i mean the first time i heard this song it's it's one of those i'm like man that's instantly in the playlist yeah i mean it's, it's a bumper uh there's no <laughs> doubt about that simple uh, as that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, he, he kind of wraps a lot of the stuff that he's talked about in this one already. Uh, kind of um, references uh, the events that he's talked about in the previous songs. And then, as you said, he kind of further advances the plot with it. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just good. I mean, yeah. I mean, Voss, uh, is, there, is there a better place for Shade? I don't think so. Nah. Money trees, baby. That's the yeah. only place for shade. Uh, but yeah. I mean, you're right. It does. I mean, it gives a look into the young mindset of Kendrick Lamar. It's the 17 year old. All he's focuses on is pussy and fucking money. And he's like, <laughs> money trees is a perfect place for, for shade, which is he wrong? Hughes? <laughs> is he wrong? I, I don't. I, hey, man. I, uh, I, I haven't found a better tree either. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of trees. I am. Uh, so this guy is a huge fan of trees and, and money trees in the best. <laughs> I mean, Hughes is good for at least one and a half trees reference on any pod that he's in. Like that's gotta be the over under, like how many times is Hughes going to mention some random tree fact on this pod? I'm taking the over if it's one and a half. <laughs> Yeah, listen, man. Anytime I can, I can talk about nature, and it, and if I can make a comparison to nature in any circumstance, I'm taking it. Cause, hey, man, nature is life. Um, <laughs> but what I wanted to talk about again, I don't want to make this whole thing about schoolboy, but we talked about schoolboy's one-liners. I mean, just the king of them, right? Like his his ability, and again, the show don't tell. Here's here's this for show don't tell. Okay. Home invasion was persuasive from nine to five. I know it's vacant. Just just a small little line, couple lines there. 
tells the whole story without telling the story. And then go at a reverend for the revenue. I mean, just just the small four or five words. I mean, he's just a craftsman, yeah. you know, like that. And, and I think this is why why guys like Kendrick and Schoolboy and, and the whole TDE crowd. I mean, J Rock has a great feature on this too. I mean, they're just they're just lyrically gifted, man. Like they really spend time again storytelling through their words, and they're not just spilling it out for you. They're they're making kind of these little hints at stuff, but you know. And I think this song, I mean, there's a ton of one-liners and you can find that in any Kendrick song, but this song, I just, I had a few I had to say because they were just so good. Yeah. We've, we've kind of skipped over the lyrical genius that is Kendrick Lamar and just focusing on, on the story and the theme of the story. But there's no doubt that the reason why the story flows so well is Kendrick's ability to deliver deliver the message and deliver the story in these punchy and creative lines and flows uh and uh you know Halle Berry or hallelujah that's just like that's so Kendrick Lamar I mean Kendrick Lamar is a really dualistic person as we've kind of seen in this album specifically uh but the way he's able to kind of like portray that to the audience is is definitely uh unseen especially coming out of what the second major this first major studio album is his second album as a whole uh but again this song i mean this is one of the radio songs this is one of the songs that you could just like i said the first time i heard it i'm like man i that one's going on the playlist and that that's a song that i've had on my on my phone and on my apple music but you know haven't downloaded the whole thing and it's such an interesting way to look at at Kendrick when whenever you hear the the, the radio bangers and the radio songs the, the songs that everyone knows because you know these songs and then when you put them into context of the album it kind of brings everything together even a little bit more you're like man that's it's like you read, read a chapter of a book but you didn't read every other chapter and so you're like oh okay that's kind of all making sense now I see where the money trees are coming from and I don't know at least for me it makes the album that much more enjoyable to listen to uh and it makes the songs that i haven't heard like the art of peer pressure or uh some of the other kind of theme driving songs in this album hit a little bit harder uh but that's going to take us to poetic justice you know another kind of similar song uh but this is really one where again his his lyricism just takes over voss what what, what are your thoughts on poetic justice and is the title of the song not perfect it's by far the most perfect title of the album uh <laughs> you know back back when you know i was getting into kendrick you know obviously with the with the radio stuff uh you know swimming pools it hooked me and then uh you know uh sorry i'm blanking on the on the name uh oh don't kill my vibe of course yeah, that reeled me in <laughs> but poetic justice it sealed the deal i was like this dude's my favorite dude uh <laughs> um really i mean this is just kendrick flexing flexing yeah. his lyricism right here i mean yeah. he made this entire song make total sense without like i mean yeah exactly with, with it being poetic i mean he was mm -hmm. literally rhyming in a poetic manner about a girl you know yeah. it, well we know which girl but yeah uh it's it's just so beautifully written um 
like every single line and, and it vibes so well and uh you know drake's verse just fits so well as well there we go like, like when he <laughs> when he comes into the song i'm like oh boy like yeah this dude is just like you got kendrick just kind of doing doing his thing and then when drake comes in uh you know he adds his own little funk to it that that just really completes the song and then you end with kendrick and um yeah this this song definitely i would say is my second favorite on the album okay yeah uh the drake verse i mean you know me if you listen to the pod resident drake fan and i'm the drake fan that assumes that anyone who is not high on drake is a drake hater and so i'm like saying hughes this fucking Drake verse is literally perfect. They could not have been on a more perfect song. It flows so perfect. And that's the only thing I'm going to say. Okay. I mean, obviously Kendrick is kills it, but man, that Drake verse. He's like literally when he opens, he's like, I really hope you play this. Cause oh girl, he does, but I'm like, Oh, like we're about Thank to you. Get for a banger of a verse right here. Thank you. He is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, every, every listener should know now that Will loves getting to his scent mode uh, with certain <laughs> artists. And listen, man, getting getting Drake on a subliminal song about sex, basically. I mean, who else? Who else? Could You're, not gonna I mean, You're not going to miss. You're not going to miss. Yeah, Drake. I mean, Drake has built his career on this kind of music, and like any, it's like a it's like a bat signal in the sky. He's like. All right, let, let's make a, let's make a song basically talking about poetry, but we're really talking about sex. Who's the guy? Oh, it's fucking Drake. Yeah. So I mean, it was just <laughs> it was just the perfect mix, and and the the flow from Kendrick to Drake is so perfect. I mean, it's just so a it's just perfect, a beautiful song to listen to. Dude, it makes me think. It's like, man, this world needs more Kendrick and Drake, and I don't know how. I don't know if that's ever gonna happen again. I don't know when, but man. This little bit of this little taste, this little teaser we got was so good. And uh, I mean, going to Drake's album, Buried Alive interview inter- interlude. I don't know how many if either of you can kind of recall that off the top of your head. But that's essentially uh, an interlude that's completely done by Kendrick on Take Care. And that song is fucking fire, too. And so I'm just saying, especially after listening to Poetic Justice, Drake and Kendrick get together. Maybe on the new Kendrick album, which we'll we'll kind of chat about a little bit later, we could see another Drake feature. The likelihood of that happening, probably, you know, very slim to none. But man, I could hope. Can a guy hope? And then Kendrick continues on the roller coaster of his of his album and of of the theme. You know, you get Money Trees and Poetic Justice back to back, two bangers, two songs you could kind of just sit back and relax and enjoy too. And then you get Good Kid, which is kind of back into the story, back into um, you know, the 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 look at Kendrick Lamar in Compton. And so uh Voss, what were your thoughts on this uh song and how do you think it fits in the album? Perfect, especially with the following song, because this is him literally, you know, realizing I need to get out of here. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to kind of couple along with that, uh, he he notes how hard it is to get out. I mean, um, you know, with gang culture and, and, and profiling and, you know, whatnot. But ultimately, uh, it comes down to, like, this isn't, 
this isn't what I want to end up being with my life. Um, you know, uh, as you know, he is a good kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it really does, um, kind of do a really good job of, of bringing you back into it after, uh, the previous two songs a couple bangers absolute bangers but you're right he's like uh you know it's it's kind of like the the good kid that's what at the end of the day i feel like kendrick always comes back to the good kid you know whether it's fuck the bitches uh or if it's if it's a peer pressure at the end of the day i feel like that's really the point where kendrick always comes back to and is able to make his decisions out of the the good kid deep deep inside of him and so hughes is did you get similar vibes from that song or what are you thinking here yeah i mean again these these two tracks back to back are they're kind of similar message in both and really kind of we're pretty much at the middle of the album at this point kind of i think it's kind of tying the the front and the back together because if you really listen to the album straight through you start to notice that the album changes as it gets later on and mm -hmm. we can go in more into depth with that when we get to those later songs but you know this i mean Dev, Devin pretty much nailed it with what he said like this is this is kendrick's realization like basically i'm going to be killed by the police or a gang or someone at this point if i if i stay here and it's just like his i mean i think he kind of realized it for a while but now he's like i i really got to get out and like you guys mentioned pairing it with the the song right after it the bass drop the hard hitting it's like it's it's kendrick showing you the impact of the mad city the, the the city and the people that he's around it's like yeah i'm this good kid and then out of nowhere it's let's go let's go another bumper uh boss definitely definitely one of those car songs but uh what, what were your thoughts on this one this is my number one really i know that might be shocking uh, <laughs> probably not everybody's number one this is my number one um okay. Yeah, I, I know every single lyric to the verse. Um, that's not a flex. That's just me saying. That's uh, just facts. Every it's single time, <laughs> it's facts. You know it's coming. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be going hard to it too. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but, but really, I like it, exactly. I mean, this is literally Mad City. He's like, all right, you know, throughout this entire album, I've told you about where I've grown up. I've told you how how the struggles are. But here, th this is where I'm gonna tell you exactly how it is exactly how it is being where where i am and like exactly just just how how rough it is mm -hmm. um and, and i mean he nails it i mean you literally can like kind of picture everything uh and then in addition with the you know the second half uh completely different vibe but still the same impact um and and really i i know i think a lot of it has to do or my love for the song has to do with that 90s thing mm -hmm. i mean this is a pure 90s song even even hitting with the uh with the um i don't even know what you call the thing it's like um like grand theft auto san andreas you know the song where it's like do, 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 do. i don't know <laughs> yeah that thing yeah uh that's like classic 90s stuff that just i don't know i i just love every every moment of the song um every Jeez. part of yeah, I mean, it's the same with me, and I was, I'm just reading through the lyrics right now, and I'm like, what, is, what are more iconic lyrics 
then when Kendrick's like, if Pyrus and Crips all got along, no. probably down by the and then of course you get the the schoolboy yeah 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 oh I my mean, god dude it is <laughs> it is this is you know these these this is a, a tde masterpiece right here man yeah. like, i i love when when all those guys come together but yeah it's just it's a banger and then as as devin mentioned it switches up a little bit in that second half and again you kind of just get more of the stories and more more kind of insight into kendrick's life and his dad telling him he needs to get a job and he's, he's talking more about the drug lacing and all that. So just, just kind of continuing to advance the story and making it a banger at the same time. Yeah. Iconic song. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. Like, like generations, whenever this song turn is turned on randomly, if you see, if you're at a club or something, the song goes on, everyone just loses their mind. And I mean, naturally, I don't know. I don't know how you could like, keep composure when you hear the song, especially if you're like drinking in a club or something like that. And I mean, talk about club songs, swimming pools. The next one is an absolute club song as well. But what's interesting is the, it gives me kind of like KOD vibes where uh, it's like, yeah, it sounds like a fucking banger and it sounds like it's something you want to get drunk to and, you know, have a good time with your friends too. But what he's talking about is maybe that that, that right there is not good. So, Voss, what, what were your thoughts on swimming pools? Yeah, I mean, it kind of comes back to just hard-hitting lyricism again. Um, and uh, kind of as you alluded to as well, it's like, even even if you guys have watched the music video for this, it, it is so fitting because when you're listening to it, it's like you're kind of falling in free space, if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. it's just so so chill and, like, you know, just mellow. Moody, um, at least, yeah. Yeah, and um, anyways, yeah. I mean, um, just pretty much as you said, it, it kind of, it kind of just talks about the negative side of that stuff as well. And um, I don't know. It's it's just it's just a great song. I <laughs> simple as that. Like sometimes yeah. it is simple as that. But this is where, uh, at least for me, Hughes. The Mac Miller comparison started flooding my mind a little bit. Um, You know, Mac had a lot of the similar issues uh, that Kendrick mentions in this song. Uh, And then, you know, the alcoholism, the drug abuse, uh, stuff like that. And then it's just kind of weird how the name of the song was Swimming Pools as well. And it's like, you know... Mac can never get out of the swimming pool almost. And Kendrick's here like realizing that like that is that has such a control over our society, our young youth and society's mindset. And that's probably leading us down a bad path. And I think there's another interesting comparison to Mac Miller later in the album uh, with the song Real, obviously, uh, in straight comparison to the I'm Not Real song off of what I think that was watching movies, Hughes. Um, yeah, I think. And so I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but what, what were your thoughts on swimming pools? Yeah, the swimming comparison, I didn't even think about That's That was good. That was good. I, I didn't think about <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think about that. As soon as you said, I'm like, oh, damn, that's that's nice right there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, like, that's that's really what it is, man. Like this life is swimming and drowning, you know, for a lot of people. And when you throw in the substances, it's like, 
I mean, that was something Mac talked about. And Kendrick talked about this kind of stuff on Section 80 a lot, too, where it's like, man, people are drowning themselves in substances to try to cover the pain up. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's you're only making it worse. And and this kind of goes back into the art of peer pressure, too, where it's like, you know, the chorus he's talking about, uh, like, oh, you're only taking two or three shots. Like we got a we got a lot more than that, you know, yeah. and it it kind of just signifies where a lot of people where he's from and a lot of people where he's not from too. Like, I think, I think uh, really you can probably find that in any developed nation and maybe even some, some third world nations where people get that, you know, that, that secret sauce and Mm -hmm. you know, that you think it's going to fix everything, but really it doesn't. And, and that's kind of part of Kendrick's mission is to show people that, you know, you you really got to look inside to solve these issues and, Drowning, trying to drown your sorrows and and liquor or drugs is is only going to make it worse. Yeah, Hughes, I think um, I think that's an interesting point as well. Uh, the fact that I completely forgot. I mean, goddamn, I completely forgot what I was going to say. That's all right, but um, I mean, I guess we could move on. Oh, here's what I was going to say. I, I mentioned the KOD comparison in this song and how it's. Uh, it sounds like the ba- a banger and it's like, it sounds like the song you want to play at the clubs, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of speaking out against that exact fact. And I think that is kind of why it is so relatable. And like you mentioned, this song is one of the ones on the album that maybe could reach into a lot more people, uh, at least, you know, have them relate to it compared to, you know, some of the gang banging and stuff like that, that they talk about on this album. And so I think that's probably a reason why it's so popular as well as the fact that, I mean, it's just a banger. Like it's, it's a great sounding song as well, but yeah. And interrupt you real quick. There's, there was a, there's a Mac Miller song I think is relatable to this too from uh good am 100 grand okay. if you listen to 100 grand it's an absolute banger right like you throw that on anywhere it's going to be a great time but you really listen to the lyrics and a lot of the stuff that i imagine a lot of people are singing along to like trying to hype themselves up like the whole song is kind of about mac almost making fun of those people yeah. and saying like you know 100 grand doesn't make you cool and like having all this stuff you can buy with money doesn't make you cool And it's kind of the same thing here. It's like, I imagine a lot of people listening to the song and they're like, oh yeah, we're we're swimming through liquor, baby. Like that's Mm -hmm. how we do. But it's like, bro, he's telling you that's bad to do, but there's still so many people that because the song sounds good, they're just going to- Pop a top to it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, but go ahead, boss. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, I feel the outro uh, before the skit is is a lot very perfect uh perfect wrap up you know of the rest of the song mm-hmm. um you know just just saying things like make an excuse that your leaf is in the bottom of the bottle and the greenest of no leaf um and just kind of playing playing at that and stuff like that and then you know further advancing the story with the outro um into the next song but i i just wanted to say like the last verse uh i think is pretty hard it hits hard. Yeah, like you mentioned too, the outro. Uh, I I already mentioned how I got KOD vibes from this song, but the outro Hughes gives me, and I can never remember this album. It's the other album, not KOD from J Cole, but what's the other one? The dark one. Where he, 
Yeah, for your eyes only. Yeah, you knew I was talking about, obviously, because this is where the story kind of connects with Jay Coles and how he was talking about uh, ha- having one of his friends killed. And then the outro of this song, you know, they're literally firing at people. And it's like, oh, he's like, K-Dot, you're all right. Blank, you're all right. Dave's brother, obviously, but they blurred out his name. And then it's like they realize oh shit, this guy's fucking dead. You killed my brother. And I, that is so impactful. And it's, it's not, it's not him showing that, or it's not him like saying they killed my brother, but you actually genuinely feel like you're at the scene with them. Like you're going through their thought processes as they see these guys and they're like, oh shit, let's fucking pop them. And they're like, yeah, we got them. And then they turn around. It's like, this guy's on the ground dead. And uh, that's, that's where the album, I mean, takes a turn if it hasn't already uh and especially into the next song dare i say masterpiece Hughes? dare i say <laughs> Sing I mean, about yeah. me. i'm dying of thirst a two-parter really 12 minute song who's got it's like what 2014 2013 i mean i could see a 12 minute nowadays because people are out here trying to like I mean, look at look at uh, Kanye's newest album. He's trying to out, be out here doing some crazy shit. But a twelve minute song in like the early twenty tens. It's on some Hughes. Yeah, I mean, again, I you're killing it with the references today because four year eyes only I'd even think about. But like th- these two songs back to back, especially, and, and even getting onto real in the next song too, like that that really is like the four year eyes only vibe. And this song in particular is is like the Four Your Eyes Only song, which ends that record, which is like eight or nine minutes long. And it's it's kind of the same thing where that song is basically talking about, you know, the death of his friend. Mm-hmm. And and that's what this song is about, too. And of course, it's it's so long. And, and just reading through how long these verses are. I mean, these verses are like 30 lines long. Like mm-hmm. there he's got a lot to say. And it's like really impactful just sitting back and listening to it. And, you know, I've talked about this on a few songs and four guys only was one of them where you just sit back and you just soak it in, man, Mm -hmm. because it's just, God, it's so much to soak in. And it's one of those songs where I'm going to go back and read through these lyrics and feel like I missed a bunch to say, because there's so damn much to talk about. It's Mm -hmm. like, you have to damn near give 30 minutes to this song alone just to talk about it. But I mean, it's, it's kind of says it in the title, like, and that's what four Your eyes only was too, where that whole record was dedicated to J Cole telling his friend's story. Right. And, and really right here, we're seeing that this is what this record is about too. It's kind of him telling Dave's story and also his story at the same time, which is exactly how J Cole did it, where he's telling his story. And he's also, he's, it's basically kind of giving both sides where, I'm the guy that got out. Here's mm-hmm. a story of a guy that didn't got out or didn't mm-hmm. get out. And it's, it's really impactful to tie those two things together. Because again, you can tell all these great stories about how people escape the hood, but for one guy that did it, there's probably a hundred or a thousand that didn't. So I think it's really um, a nice and very impactful part in this story where he's really um, giving time to, to tell that story. Yeah. And the, the promise promise you will sing about me man that does that not just ring in your fucking ears boss i mean does that not just make the song hit a little <laughs> bit harder 
It does. It does. I mean, literally uh, everything Dylan said times a thousand. Um, it, it's just, like it's just, it's it's so powerful and contradictory, uh, but at the same time, such a good, you know, storytelling masterpiece. That's mm-hmm. two different. I don't know how you, what you'd say di- dichotomies of just you know what happens you know some people escape some people don't uh and you know there's there's just a lot of brutal things um you know that come with the life of it but um yeah exactly i mean it's it's literally just such a such a long one that you're just like (laughs) you're just like yeah exactly you're like (laughs) damn but you know there's just so much what am i missing uh yeah you know what what more can can I hear? And then you're, <laughs> oh shit! I gotta listen to you know twelve I, minutes over again. <laughs> yeah, I gotta listen to it again. That was one of those songs where I'm like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> like what, what? I listened to a part. I'm like, god damn it! I gotta fucking rewind it again because Kendrick. And this is this this may be why Kendrick's albums are so timeless. Uh, at least the ones that I've listened to so far. And I mean, obviously, the Universal. Uh, a claim behind it kind of matches the that sediment but he is able to pack so much content into a song a verse a line that you're going to be going 10 years back and saying oh my god i didn't even realize that he put it in there but it, it, it makes sense and so this song for me is definitely the peak of the album theme wise at least it, it definitely is like okay and then uh after this, you kind of go through Kendrick's mindset of the realizations that he has. And the realization is definitely thanks to genius. They mentioned it perfectly that it's, it's a key point, key aspect of the, the later half of this album. Just, okay, this shit happened. Now let's figure out what I want to do with this life that I have this, this one life because I am real. And that's such an interesting, and that leads us into the next song, right? Let me make sure here. Pretty sure. Yeah, real. And that's, this is where, like, I feel Kendrick, and this is a, this is a question for Hughes. I know Voss has listened to a little Mac Miller as well, but we really did dove into Mac Miller a lot. And I feel like this is where Kendrick and Mac Miller kind of separated paths wise you know and that's not to say mac miller's music wasn't good right we, we've talked about a lot how he's st- he was still able to fucking make phenomenal music even though he was in a horrible headspace kendrick in this song it's like man i i am real like this is my fucking life i i have to take responsibility over this shit whereas i feel like and i'm not real the song uh featuring earl sweatshirt is that is that right yeah. yeah. And, and uh, watching movies, it's it's I'm not real. And and you really get to see this is why it's so interesting doing Kendrick uh, and, and looking in this song in comparison, because his angle of being real is like, man, OK, I am real. The shit I'm living in is real and I need to take responsibility of this life. Hughes, you, you, you see what you see what I'm kind of shooting at here? I'm giving you the crown today, Will. I really am. <laughs> you know, you like you like to crown me, and I appreciate it. But man, you're killing it today. I mean, hey. seriously, that it's a great point because what we talked about on our on the last Miller Mac Miller pod when we wrapped it up, 
the tragedy of his story is that he knew what to do, but he couldn't do it. Yeah. That that's the tragedy is he knew it. He talked about it for years. I mean, listening to faces again, which was made in 2014, four years before he died. I mean, he was kind of resigned to his early death then, Yeah. but he kind of climbed out of it. You know, like he, he's, he learned some things and he climbed out of it and he still ended up falling to the things he knew he would fall to. And that was another thing is he didn't, look at life as a real thing. He looked at it as like an abstract idea. And he talked about dreaming all the time, all the time, So all the time. I mean, that was one of the main themes. If you really dig into his discography, like yeah. we have. Yeah. And I mean, this is, yeah, I think this is a great point uh, from you that this is where it definitely turns because Kendrick realizes, Hey, I am real. Like he realizes what is not only that he is real, but he realizes what's real in life. Yeah. And, you know, going back from the the last song, there was a line where he was talking about, you know, all his craves, like money, sex, greed. And then he says, the next one is going to be my grave. And he, he, you know, it's kind of that realization where he's like, all this stuff that people think is cool, like that kills people. Mm-hmm. And it kind of brings me all the way back to the opening song, Shireen, too where you know the the lust with with him wanting to have sex with this girl and that's kind of that first skit we get at the very end um where or actually it comes maybe it's still ahead i forget but he uh he sees two two big dudes come up to his car as he pulls up to her house and he doesn't know what's going to happen like it's kind of like a foreshadowing moment where he's like oh shoot did i just get set up you know it's kind of like he's realizing that all these things that he thinks are good, like that can lead me to death. Mm-hmm. And I have to figure out what's next and, and how to get out of this. And I mean, the I'm dying of thirst thing. We didn't really talk about that, yeah. but the, the, skit, the skit at the end, yeah. you know, what he's talking about is, is this, um, this pastor or whatever talking about how, you know, you young men are dying of thirst, thirst for the holy water. And that's another prevalent theme in in Kendrick's music that, you know, kind of that guiding light of, of really any God you want, but just kind of having that guiding light of truth and love. And that's something that he's kind of really diving into now where, where him and his friends after, you know, Dave gets killed, they really commit themselves to a better life. And that's, that's kind of where, we see this album turn now where it's, it's kind of more of a, a positive uplifting and you still get some of the, you know, some of the Compton stuff, but it's, it's definitely the tone has changed a bit. Yeah. I, I think uh, one of my favorite lines in, in one of the whole skits and I don't have it pulled up, so I'm not going to be able to say it exactly is this is like, you're, she says something like your life just ended, but this is the start of your new life, your your life where you take responsibility and your life where you realize like, OK, what I does have impact. And that is something that I think Kendrick really took and, and it helped empower him uh, again to close out the album. This these final kind of puzzle pieces help put it all together. And it, again, it's just Kendrick's ability to kind of bring you back right and 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 compton the final track final track you want to talk about bringing it back we're bringing it all the way back to dr fucking dre man the og of compton full circle mac miller 
Voss, what would you think? What did you think about the outro? I mean, exactly. It it brings you literally brings you, uh, you know, uh, right back to the front, uh, at least at the very end. But yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, this is literally am saying like, this is my new life. Um, I made it. Uh, you know, um, I, I I was able to successfully you know fend off everything like that, and I'm I'm with. I'm with freaking Dr. Dre. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, literally, you know, uh, you know, as, as helpful genius says, uh, he literally wrote this the day he met Dr. Dre. Um, and, and it was his first studio session. And, you know, it's, it, it's just so fitting. Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of just that perfect, uh, way to, to piece it up. A little bow tie. Cherry on yeah, top, little, if you little will. Yeah, little bow tie. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on thoughts on the outro? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much just gonna co-sign what what Devin said there. But man, Dr. Dre is like a he's not a feature you get anymore. You know, mm-hmm. he's kind of yeah. he's too busy with beats or whatever he's doing. Like he's a he's a <laughs> businessman nowadays. But man, like he has so much power. Yeah. Like when he's on the mic, it's like, man, this dude is taking control. He's an OG. Yeah. And and again, like as Devin's been talking about it, it obviously brings a lot of that 90s vibe back into it. And and as and Voss said this at the start, I think that's what Kendrick does really well. And he's done that really on these first two albums where he's paying a ton of homage to the 90s. And at the same time, he's adding more of a modern twist and he's making the music his own. And I think those are the best artists is the ones that they use what they grew up with. They use those early influences on their life and what formed their kind of taste for music, but they add their own little spin to it. And really this whole album is like that uh, for Kendrick. But I mean, this song in particular is a good kind of full circle moment where you see, you know, you see the whole Compton story and all the realizations he's had. And he's throwing that little nineties twist in there too. And here's where I toss out another comparison. I feel like Kendrick in this album accomplished what J. Cole accomplished in three albums. Uh, I feel like this ending gives me Forest Hills Drive fucking vibes to where it's like, okay, Kendrick's told his story. He's matched the tone of the music, the sound of the music with who he is. And I feel like this is this at this point, it sets Kendrick free to do what he's done and what he's going to continue to do, which is make kind of different albums. And we'll talk about we'll talk about it, obviously, in the next couple of pods to pimp a butterfly, heavily jazz kind of, uh, you know, background and then damn more of a pop background. And so I feel like there's there's moments in, in these artists career where they they tell their story right and then they're like okay wh- what's next and i feel like that that was this moment right here in kendrick's career where it really kind of not necessarily took a weight off him i didn't feel like he was being pressured to you know put an album out like this but it definitely opened up his creative mind a little bit and he's like okay i've already kind of like explained my life right i've already told the story of my life what else what else can i do and so obviously we'll talk about it next week to pimp a butterfly um he kind of talks about uh 
the the government as a whole and just kind of the the themes that have led to a lot of the oppression of like some of the black lives right and the black people and how he gets into his how how his how Compton has become kind of what it is and, and the overarching themes about that. And obviously we saw that a little bit in Section 80, right? I mean, the Ronald Reagan era, Ronald Reagan era, uh, obviously uh, kind of like hint at the, what Kendrick's possible of. But again, I feel like that this song, especially, and in this album, it was one of the, it, it really helped Kendrick be like, okay, let's see what I could do. I feel like moving forward, Kendrick's like, okay, I'm, he's taking that voice, the lessons he's learned and he's pushing it uh, just to push a better message. So, but yeah, anybody got any takes on that? Any add-ons on that? I, I really like that. I, I, th- I was really happy about that. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was really good because, you know, when you, when you think of Kendrick and, you know, the last two albums he made, you, you kind of you sit back and you're like, okay, these these are completely different. You know, mm-hmm. these are these aren't you know what the first two were, mm-hmm. um, and and you kind of just piece that together perfectly. Is like he's this this album set him free. I mean, mm-hmm. this is him literally being like, that was my life, and here's my new one, and here's everything I'm gonna give you. So, um, you know, I, it really makes me curious as to where which direction he goes with this you know new upcoming album new upcoming album by the way boys we are recording this on thursday october 21st now we all know how valid some of these rumors in the hip-hop industry are so i'm not i mean i'm not trying to you know set set off any fireworks or anything however the Leaked release date for Kendrick Lamar's new album is October 22nd, Friday. Today, if you're listening to it on Friday, boys, are we got a new Kendrick? If if that is true, that is one of the best anniversary gifts I'll ever have. <laughs> anniversary tomorrow? Yeah. Congrats, boss. Yeah, it'll be a double. It'll be a double whammy. No, your girlfriend's <laughs> gonna be fucking pissed because you're gonna have all these plans. And you're hold, be hold, like, on, hold on, I gotta listen to Kendrick. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, uh, you know what? Kendrick dropped today. And boss, if you did that, completely respect that move. <laughs> I, I mean, completely respect that move. That is absolutely alpha shit. You're like, fuck that. I gotta listen to Kendrick. <laughs> Hughes, what, what are we thinking? Yeah, boss, what I need you to do is, you know, you're going to have a great date night, probably go on dinner or something. Just just take notes when she's not paying attention. Like, just just take some notes because, you know, this you're part of the Divine Rhyme community. Now we need some we need some analysis. Uh, This is, you know, this is your responsibility going forward. So, I mean, just just take a few notes if you know, just take take some time. But I mean, you know, kind of to go back to what you're saying, um, about the J. Cole thing. I think that's a good point because we talked about this with J. Cole, man. It took him like, what, six years to kind of figure some of these things out. And I think that's what was so impressive about Kendrick is if you even listen to the mixtapes, when he was like a teenager, there was still that hint of maturity that we didn't get from J. Cole. Yeah. I mean, J. Cole was making music, you know, when he got to college. He was a college kid, man. Like he was yeah, making 100% college kid. And, and same with Mac. I mean, he was making music in high school. 
he's he's just a dumb kid making dumb kid music, you know? And it, it was like, it was a huge part of their career. But Kendrick was so different because of that maturity. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Section 80, that's not something that J. Cole was going to do at 23. No chance. And, and hey, you can't, you know, you can't compare their path or two different people. They ended up basically at the same place. But I mean, yeah, Kendrick's maturity at this stage is amazing. And I mean, I don't know how old he was when he made this album, but he like he was as as Voss said, he was set free. And, you know, what we're going to get into going on, we can see that where we're like J. Cole. He had a really good pivot. Um, both with both albums and and with this upcoming album, we'll see as well uh, where he goes. But I mean, this is what great artists do. They can pivot and they can say and even even Sturgill Simpson, like, let's let's throw out a, a, a civil war skit, basically. You know, let's just let's throw this like there's they're creative guys and they come up with things. And there's always things they're passionate about. They can make music about. And I mean, Kendrick uh, has done that, as we're going to discuss going forward and. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see where this next album goes because kind of like J. Cole before the offseason, like we didn't really know what he was going to do with that. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it kind of maybe it wasn't like super new, like the themes were kind of the same, but he came at it from a different angle. So I'm interested to see if Kendrick does a similar thing. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, uh, Hughes, maybe we should preview TP uh, to Pimp a Butterfly a little bit, but I think we've already set that up pretty well. I mean, you know, I think uh, looking ahead to next week with AB, you know, what we can expect a completely different Kendrick. And I mean, I can say that easily because I have a little background, I mean, of the album, right? I mean, I under, I, I've listened to the album a little bit. And so obviously I know we're going to give di- different Kendrick, but I think we... I think we did a good job today of explaining kind of how that happened. And so I'm really looking forward to next week uh, with AB to Pimp a Butterfly. I think that's going to be a really good conversation. I mean, AB, like I mentioned before, has been fiending, like absolutely up my fucking ass at Target every single day since we started doing. uh, I don't work at Target anymore. Thank the Lord. AB does. Poor guy. But ever since we were starting to do a Kendrick every day, he'd be like, hey, come here. We doing, uh, you give me on to Pippa Butterfly? I'm like, yeah, dude, we'll get you on, bud. And then he was like, last week he was gone. He's like, yeah, you can't do it without me. And I'm like, hey, we're not going to do it without you. So I think I'm really looking forward to having him on. I really think it's going to be a good conversation. Uh, and then the week after that, we're going to do, damn, have another special guest. Uh, good friend of mine, Ali Brown, uh, good friend of, uh, of drew who did helped us out on um mac miller it's his girlfriend so but she's been begging me to get on the pod i don't know why so but she's got she really likes damn and she's looking forward to talk about that too so we got a couple heater episodes coming up after this uh and then voss you want to hop on for the the new kendrick album i mean yeah i'd, I'd definitely be down i mean okay. uh you know given i am what about to turn 23 years old uh i'm certainly going to you know this this album came out when we were still basically kids Mm -hmm. i'm really gonna be able to like fully understand uh the new the next album uh so yeah i'll definitely be looking forward to that all right i mean lock it in then boss let's go lock it in (laughs) all right boss uh hughes anything else to close things off here got any comments not much golf it's getting kind of cold so 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't been watching golf. I mean, there's just – I can't – I just – this is the time of year where sports is tough, man. Like, I'm not even watching the baseball playoffs because it's like I don't have time. Like, we got football. We got basketball. It's the best time of year for sports, man. It's every single day. Okay. <laughs> I, I agree with that. But when you have to record a podcast on basketball every yeah, week and have yeah. to watch – nine to 10 games every week on top of all the stuff, other stuff I do. It's like, I just got to prioritize a bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, baseball is, is unfortunately taking the sacrifice right now. And it, it's, it's basically the off season for golf. I mean, there's really never yeah. an off season um, somehow, but it basically is the off season. So that's, that's put to the side, but uh, I will say I hit the course on Monday There you go, and, and it's getting better. Like, the the good the good news is every time I go out there I do something good that I didn't do the last time, mm-hmm. which I'm always like it's it's like the one percent thing. It's like if I can get one percent better today, I'm happy with that, you know. But man, there's just some things that happen where it's like God, I just hate this game so much. <laughs> you know, it only they always say that though. It only takes one shot to bring you back. A uh, couple 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 things to wrap it up. Uh, the Reds aren't in the baseball playoffs, so fuck it. Fuck it, Hughes. Why would you watch that shift if the Reds aren't in it, man? We're championship. We're one of the best franchises of all time. Secondly, even though you're paying attention to basketball a lot, the fantasy team's not struggling. I mean, I'm tied with you now, or I might be one slot below. I'm up there in the rankings. Had a good dub against Voss recently. He took a fat L. Uh, But uh, things are getting tight. Things are closing up in the fantasy league. But uh, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you for listening to Divine Rhyme, Running Hook Podcast Network. We got some other pods for you. We got Lynn Sanity's doing NFL, probably going to have some basketball uh, coming up soon. We got AD, Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour, as he mentioned. We got the Triple Option Podcast uh circle city cinema we got it all folks we got it all just come give us a like give us a follow we're on every social media uh help the team out you know we put out good pods but uh yeah that's gonna be it Voss. thank you so much for joining it's been it's been a pleasure brother and uh, we'll see you next week